to On the Block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Jake Bachovin, uh, broadcasting from home once again today. Big Sky back in the studio hanging out with me uh, in the Ticket Water Cooler portion of the show till we invite Stricken here at the top of the hour. Also, uh, one of the teams, we also have uh, Chris Bassnett of the Lincoln Journal Star joining us about 425. He had a very interesting article, if you missed it, um, breaking down the extension that was privately signed for Coach Hoiberg in 2020, uh, which lets us know that the buyout would be $18.5 million if he were let go uh, following this season. So that uh, seems even more and more unlikely. I don't think it's necessarily quite time for that, but, of course, Sipple kind of had an article over the weekend after the tough loss at Rutgers um, to say maybe we should start kind of looking at that as he wants to hold to his preseason um, uh, stance, I guess, of uh, that it wouldn't be fair if he didn't hold Hoiberg to a high standard. So I think that, that uh, we all want to see that. We all want to watch the Nebraska basketball program grow and it should be held to a higher standard or a higher standard than it currently is. But boy, that buyout sure speaks a lot uh, as far as uh, you know that that type of money, uh, especially considering the the looming Scott Frost buyout that was kind of there got cut in half, moved on from that. Uh, you kind of wonder if maybe something like that will be in the works moving forward next year, or, or maybe not. Maybe maybe Hoiberg is pretty happy with that contract that he signed. Seems like he got a good one. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, those guys will be joining us again uh, at, in the next hour. Uh, but first, I did want to run through what happened last night with Big Sky. Well, again, we'll talk more about it later with Strick. But Georgia winning their first national championship since 1980, the days of Herschel Walker running through people, running over Notre Dame uh, back in the day and, and, and winning that championship. And, and Vince Dooley, obviously, uh, it made an appearance last night. That was kind of cool to see a guy that, that won a national championship that long ago um, still kicking around, still finally being able to see Georgia get the championship. And Stetson Bennett is, is kind of the story there. Um, you know, walk on, had to leave Georgia um, got a scholarship to come back and then um, just kind of unex unex unexpectedly um, took the job from JT uh, or, or from JT Daniels there and uh, and went on to win this national championship. A lot of adversity throughout that game last night. People, some people getting tired of, of seeing the SEC in it, but again, after watching that type of matchup. I think we had the two best teams there in a great game. Did you have fun watching that, Big Sky? Yeah, I thought that the uh, two best teams were probably in it this year, uh, given what we saw in the semifinal. I, I, I don't know if uh, having an Oklahoma State in over uh, over Cincinnati would have changed the outcome. I don't think Notre Dame – I mean, Brian Kelly told us Notre Dame wasn't on that level when he went and took the LSU job. So, yeah, I absolutely think that given the game we got, that was the best uh, best national championship we could have seen. Let's just be thankful that it wasn't an all-SEC playoff. I, I, that That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, if, if two SEC teams make the playoff and then earn they, their way to the national championship, it's a lot more palatable than a Alabama-LSU-BCS-made national championship where it was only only the SEC was given the opportunity. So I'm uh, I'm okay with you know no, no SEC fatigue necessarily from me. I just hate the conference. <laughs> I don't understand how you hate that conference. That conference is incredible to watch. Uh, fun, you know, fun, uh, hard-hitting, the best football in America, I believe. And uh, we'll talk about, about it more later, too. I, I don't think there's any room for any SEC deniers at this point in time. I mean, I, I know you might get tired of, 
of watching now the third SEC, All-SEC Championship over the last, what, 10 years? Try to think back to when Alabama LSU did. I think it was 2011, uh, if I remember correctly. But in any case, um, it, it's just incredible to watch. And, and since 1998 now, I think that's six SEC teams that have won titles. So all that talk about it, well, it's just Alabama. Uh, the, you take Alabama completely out of it, the next closest um, conference with the amount of schools winning national titles out of that, I think it's two. I think it's the ACC over there uh, with obviously Clemson and Florida State with their success that they've had. But, you know, it's been tough going for Florida State as of late. But, you know, some teams rise and fall in the SEC, but that is one heck of a conference. It's fun to watch. And, and last night was, was fun to watch. Um, I don't, you know, it was kind of weird. Alabama struggled all season with kind of common opponents and, um, you know, not closing out games quite as well as Georgia had. So you kind of feel like the the best team um, won at the end of the day. But obviously having seen Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC title game, along with the fact that they're just an absolute dynasty, I think you still had the underdog role there in the form of the Georgia Bulldogs and Stetson Bennett, you know, being a big part of that. And that's, that's why I doubted them going into that game. Um, somewhat, he, you know, he somewhat made me eat my words there, and I'm not alone. A lot of people doubted Stetson Bennett, especially going up against Bryce Young. But, uh, you know, a big difference in this game compared to the, the first game against Alabama was the turnovers that they created. And uh, the pick six there by Keely Ringo at the end um, really sealed the deal. The other part of that, though, is Jamison Williams. I mean, th there, we already knew going into this game, Alabama was beat up at the wide receiver position. Uh, you know, they kind of only had two big names this year. One of those guys already being out, and then Jamison Williams goes out. Uh, do you think that that affected the game pretty significantly? Did, were you expecting Alabama to win until Jamison Williams went out? Uh, well, like I said yesterday on air, that I expected Bama to ultimately uh, emerge victorious last night. But I, I didn't see Jamison Williams leave the game and go, well, Alabama's toast. And I'm not going to act like they're a poverty program that can just immediately slot in a brand new four-star or five-star uh, athlete in that spot after Jamison Williams left. I, I think it obviously played a role with Bryce Young because he's got chemistry with Mechie. He's got chemistry with Williams. To not have either of those guys available is going to be tough, but he still had uh, Slade Bolden. So, And he and he still had his, his uh, top three-round tight end in Billingsley. Yeah. So I – Let's let's cool off on the excuses for Bryce Young, who I'm a noted uh, denier on. I, I made sure that was well known yesterday. I, I, I don't know if he was necessarily the uh, the Heisman worthy player on that Alabama team. So did it affect? Who you given the Heisman to Anderson? Oh, Will Anderson still okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, he was the he did show out as the best player in that game. I thought. I also thought that Robinson kind of showed that all he needed was more opportunities during the regular season. I heard all season from this Alabama fan that I know that they can't they don't have a run game and and Bryce Young's really doing this all all on his own. No no run, rushing attack to speak of. And and you watch the semifinal game, you watch the the national championship last night, and Robinson is. He looks like a dog, and you have a five-star, former number two overall player in the country in Trey Sanders, and you, you, you don't really feel bad for Alabama. when If you can't make it work with those guys, then you shouldn't, you shouldn't get to have it then. But, again, I, 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 uh, Alabama, even with the wide receiver injuries that they had, still had the weapons to, to win the national championship game, and I'm not giving them a pass simply because they, they had two injuries. Everyone deals with injuries. 
Yeah, that's certainly certainly the case, but I thought it was kind of a swing. And I hate when that happens in championship games. I, I always go back to Ted Ginn returning the kick return for a touchdown uh, when, when Ohio State, and that was basically – that's when they peaked. He got hurt celebrating, and Ohio State was out of that game, um, you know, back in, the, back in the day. I think that was against Florida. Um, but, you know, you hate to see those type of things. Uh, Colt McCoy is another one. Um, when he got hurt, I thought that they were on their way to beating Alabama in 2009. Um, you don't think no, that, no, Buck. Think no, David they were not. Is, you don't think David Ash is a bit of a drop off from Colt McCoy? Hey, there's a drop off, but Texas was going to get manhandled in that game. They were in the game. They were. They, I think they might have even been pretty close to leading it. I don't remember exactly what the score you've was. You've clearly, but. you've clearly gone and replayed this game in NCAA 2010 and and convinced yourself <laughs> that Texas had a chance. Texas had no shot in that game. Oh, they absolutely did. Like, David Ash almost led him back to win that game. Um, so This I'm is revisionist history from Jake Bakoven today. Oh, I'll, all right. We'll run down that score and see kind of what it was when Colt McCoy I would just like to Colt point McC- out. I'm a big, I would I'm just, a big Colt McCoy guy. I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, to say this confidently while also uh, letting everyone know that I did have a concussion for that month because I, I cracked my head open for the uh, Big 12 championship game. So I was concussed as a nine-year-old when that, or 10-year-old when that game yeah. happened. But I don't think uh, Texas had a chance. Yeah, we'll, we'll look it up and see what it was. I think it was a close game regardless. And um, I'm a big Colt McCoy guy. I thought that, remember that year that Sam Bradford won the Heisman, won the Big 12 championship, all because of a, a, a three-way tie between him, Graham Harrell, and Texas Tech, and Texas uh, and Colt McCoy. And it was just like some rule that allowed – um, you know, whatever the, the tie-breaking rule was, because they all split from one another, is that Oklahoma was able to go to the Big 12 championship. And because of that extra game, Sam Bradford won the Heisman. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think Colt McCoy had any, you know, pro prospects the same way that Sam Bradford did. So I don't think it changed the number one pick trajectory or anything like that. But I think Colt McCoy deserves a Heisman and deserves a, uh, if he got another go at it back in the day, that national championship. But uh, I'm not a big Texas fan either. I just like Colt McCoy for some reason, um, just because that's just the way I see it. It's not necessarily cheering for him or anything. That's just how I saw it. In any case, uh, let's run through modern-day college football because that's the story of the day. Uh, top 25 was out, the final uh, top 25 polls. So I'll just go through kind of the notable ones. It was an interesting year. Of course, Georgia uh, finishing number one. We know that. Running at the top five is Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Baylor. It was cool because this year has just kind of been unpredictable. A record 14 teams who are not in the preseason top 25, finished in the top 25 this year. Running at the top 10, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. So that gives you three Big Ten teams in the top 10. Uh, Ole Miss, Utah, Pittsburgh, Clemson, Wake Forest, Louisiana, Houston, Kentucky, BYU, and North Carolina State are your next 10. And then Arkansas, Oregon, Iowa, uh, Utah State and San Diego State round out the top 25. Uh, always, I like to kind of do my microscope of what's going on in the Big Ten West. As we know, not the best division in football, but it's what Nebraska has to overcome before they can start climbing up these rankings. The the best team in the Big Ten West this year, highest ranking team, uh, did finish was was Iowa at number 23. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue finished in that order in the others receiving votes category. What would be 27, 28th, and 29th. And so it's kind of interesting because Nebraska obviously didn't receive any votes, not anywhere close with their three and nine record. Um, but Brett McMurphy had him in, in their in his way too early top twenty-five going into next year, and I immediately scoff at that. I think I don't know if I'd put him in, in my top fifty. Um, but then you just kind of see that grouping of the Big Ten West and how the nation sees the Big Ten West, and the fact that Nebraska wasn't too far from those teams this last year gives you a little bit of hope. 
Um, but then, of course, closing the door on that is the other part of it, is that you know, close as they may want to be, Frost has really struggled of beating the Big Ten West. He's been close, uh, but that doesn't quite do it for as far as, as getting him there. What do you think about some early preseason top 25, 25th ranking out there in one poll for Nebraska? I think that's just blatant clickbait, I, and I think a lot of <laughs> Nebraska fans have called it out for uh, for what it is. Uh, you can't reasonably I, – I don't know what argument McMurphy made to say that a 3-9 and nine team that lost its starting quarterback, its leading receiver – and a lot of key pieces on the defense. I don't know what argument there is to make that that team is going to be a preseason top 25 team. Now, I'm anti-preseason uh, rankings. I'm one of those people that believes you shouldn't rank anybody until week six so you can get a proper proper feel for it because that is one way the SEC stays king is artificial preseason rankings. What are you talking about? <laughs> and didn't you watch the season? Have you watched football over the last two teams? Years? Two teams don't make a conference, Bach. Oh, now we're on the two teams thing. Like I said, six teams since 1998 have won a national title in the SEC. That's more than triple any other conference. You, I, I don't, I can't believe there's still SEC deniers out there, and I work with one of them in Big Sky here. Listen, you've clearly been in media too long, Bach. The SEC has infected your mind. It does it to every media person. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to be a holdout because I, it, it's, it's, it's a good conference. It's just not head and shoulders above the rest of them like everyone seems to think it is. It sure looked like it last night. We'll continue it's two teams, to- Bach. It's two teams. <laughs> at the top, what do, you, what do you want? How many teams do you want to be at the top? You can produce. Is three if you, do it? Is four? Two, uh, producing two teams that make the national championship game is certainly a feather in your cap. But it does not mean the rest of the 12 other teams in your conference are amazing simply because they are graced by wearing the same crest on their jersey oh you must not hear the the sec chants last night maybe well maybe they're just not getting to you in any case we will we'll further this discussion with big sky also um the uh, it's kind of interesting we'll talk more about the portal out there especially at the quarterback position to a purdy is visiting Norman this weekend. Um, that's not necessarily what you want to hear, but he is visiting Lincoln next weekend. Does Nebraska still need to add a quarterback in the portal? Uh, we'll bring that to you next year on the Ticket Water Cooler Talk on, on the Block with Strickenbach on 93.7 The Ticket.